This morning, uh, we're going to continue on our, our second uh, message, Life is a Journey. Um, I'll tell you, this, I was having a good uh, worship time at my, uh, my desk this morning, uh, praying, and just, uh, so the sermon for next week's already outlined. Uh, that happened this morning while I was, I was at my desk preparing for this morning. So uh, God is, uh, he's got a message that he's trying to share with us as a church. He's got, a, he's got an important thing that he, this is, I knew that this series would be uh, what we, we were talking about uh, even before I came. God started laying on my heart. And um, so this morning, uh, we're going to continue on life as a journey, or we call it lessons from the road, however you want. A lot of things happen in the journey of life. Ups and downs. You know, some of the funniest stories I've ever had uh, happen on the road. Uh, I don't know. How, how many of you like taking road trips? Do you? Yeah, I used to. Uh, I don't love them anymore. Um, like I said, we, we drove down to Virginia. We dro- And actually... We drove down to Virginia Friday for my friend Craig's funeral. That was yesterday. And um, when we got there, you could be praying. For, I just I made some prayer requests for his family. Um, one of our, our friends, they, they had been uh, volunteers in our children's ministry uh, when we were down there at Bethel. And uh, I did their wedding about six years ago, uh, maybe seven, six, six and a half years ago. So um, she, the, the wife contracted cancer about four years ago. And they asked us Friday night to come over and pray for her. And so we came and prayed. Uh, and then we got a text Saturday morning that she had passed away. And uh, they said that when we went to pray with them, uh, and Heather just had a, a beautiful prayer. That was the most lucid that she had been all day. Uh, and she was able to respond. And uh, she, knew we, she, she, she knew we were there. She knew Jesus was there. And uh, so she went to be with the Lord uh, Saturday morning. She has two young boys. She's, she was 38 years old. And um, she has a 4-year-old and a 6-year-old. So it's uh, the Croc family. So if you'd be praying for them. Uh, life is filled with challenges along that journey, along that road. You know, some of the, the, the most, there's, there's nothing more difficult than when you're driving someplace and your car breaks down out in the middle of nowhere. Man, what do you, what do, you do? What, you don't know anybody. You don't, uh, you're not expecting a $1,000 repair. I remember one, one summer I was on the road doing kids' crusades, and um, we rented a van. It was, it was part of my senior project in college. And uh, we rented a van, and uh, the, we did it to save money as much as we could. You know, we're doing kids' crusades around the country, and uh, we rented the cheapest van we could find. Uh, so cheap, in fact, that it had air conditioning in the back via the hole in the floor. Yeah. Yeah, that thing broke down. Let's see. We, we went as far north as um, Williams, Minnesota, which... You know, every year, International Falls, Minnesota, prides itself on being the coldest place in the country. Williams is 45 minutes northwest on the Lake of the Woods. It's, it's I mean, it, you go out there, you hear nothing. There's, it's, it's a town of like 200 people. Uh, we, we were that far north. We made it all the way out to Washington, D.C. Uh, we, 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 we drove thousands of miles, and we had to have that car, that, that van was in the uh, repair shop about six times in 10 weeks. Uh, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. When something breaks down, when something doesn't go the way you're planning. Because we have, we have plans, don't we? I've got some, I don't know about you. But when I'm driving someplace, my goal is not necessarily just to get where I'm going. It's to get there as fast as possible. I don't like to stop. I, you know, I, I have had, I have left people. No, not Heather. Joe, if you're watching, Joe's story, I'm sorry, is college again. 
and he, has, he's, he lives in North Dakota now. I told him, we're leaving at noon to go home for Thanksgiving. We're, we're all from Ohio. My goal was to get there as fast as possible. I figured I could make it in 10 hours, actually, 750 miles. You can do it in 10 hours if you drive fast enough. And uh, Joe, I've done it. Joe was perpetually late. I'm telling on you. And uh, he, I said, we're leaving at noon. If you're not here at noon, I'm going to leave you. Joe spent Thanksgiving in Minnesota that year. I don't know what time he showed up, but it wasn't noon. I like to get places fast. I got a plan. I don't do well with detours. Do you do well with detours? Man, coming home last night, they had a detour on Heisen Drive. I'm like, what, this was not here Thursday? Made me get home two minutes later than I thought. We don't do well with detours, do we? But you know, uh, sometimes the detours in life are where uh, things really change. The detours in life are where we actually learn something. Because oftentimes they make us stop. They make us pause. They make us take a break. And then we start listening to what's happening. Because we get so fast. I gotta go fast, fast, fast. And it's traveling with a, a, a traveling with a child changes your uh, perception of time. I automatically, <laughs> I just automatically add an hour to how long I think it's going to take, right? If it's supposed to, if, if GPS says six hours, I just say, okay, it's going to be seven. And we just work that. I have to do that for me. I have to do that for me. And oftentimes we set in our head a plan where we're doing, where we're going. And uh, God has a different plan. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about somebody in life that God had a different plan for them uh, than uh, they had for themselves, and they met him on the road. You're probably very familiar with it, but if you want to open your Bibles today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, talking about Paul. How many of you have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Yeah, we've heard of the Apostle Paul and his conversion. And so we're going to be in verse 9. No, I'm sorry, chapter 9, starting in verse 1, and just going to go through verse 18 this morning. And we're going to talk about uh, a lesson from the road uh, in Paul's life this morning. Hey, before we get into the message, let's pray. And then uh, we look. How many, how many, you guys like the, the extension here? Yeah. It just blends right in, doesn't it? It just blends right in. If I hadn't mentioned it, somebody, if this is the first time here, you, you wouldn't even think anything of it. But we just put this in last week. The team did such a good job with it. It's wonderful. So we did it really uh, so I could be closer, but it looks good on live stream. That's what we got new light. It's, it's been a busy week here, but I'm excited. This is just the first step in what God's doing. But let's pray, and then we'll learn some lessons from, from Paul's life. Father, we, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together. We thank you that we have the opportunity to worship together. And we pray today that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Let us hear your word. Let us hear your word for us this morning. We know that you have a lesson for us, Father, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin working on us now. We give thanks, we give you praise, because we know that you're always talking if we are listening. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Starting in verse 1 uh, in chapter 9, here's what it says. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. 
I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord. He answered, the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, we can all see this lesson from the road in Saul's life. Saul was transformed to Paul in a moment. He had a moment of transformation on the road. He was transformed at that encounter with Jesus. But he didn't get a whole lot of instruction, did he? He said, all, all he found out, all he heard was, uh, go, now get up to and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. Well, that's not a whole lot of direction, is it? I can't, if you're kind of going, well, I can't see, but I'm going to go to the city and wait for the next step. Man, you know, when we're following God's plan, how many of us want God to tell us, can you, okay, I understand you want me to go from point A to point B, but you could, can you tell me what point Z is? And we sit there and wait. But Paul got up and went. Paul got up and left. Paul got up and moved. But that's all the instruction Paul got. But really, today, I don't really want to talk that much about Paul. We talk about Paul all the time. I really want to talk about Ananias. Because Paul needed Ananias. Paul had a moment with Jesus, but he needed Ananias. And so let's look at what Ananias does in this verse here, in this chapter here. If we, if we look, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord. What's it say? He answered. Ananias heard the call, and he answered. He heard the call, and he answered. Now, I've already mentioned this morning that oftentimes we get so busy, we don't hear the call. We need that pause. And that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did with Saul. He paused him on the road so he could hear the call. But Ananias didn't have a dramatic Event, a bright light or something, he just heard the call, and he answered. You know what that means to me? It means Ananias was already 
listening. He was already listening because God is always talking to us. The question is, are we listening? Ananias, he heard the call and he answered. How many of us have missed a call? Because we weren't listening. We weren't listening to what God wanted to say to us. You know, Jesus tells us in, in the word here, says that I don't do anything my father doesn't tell me to do. Do you know what that means? It means he was in communion with the father all the time. You know, if we never pause, if we never stop, if we never give God time in our lives, if we don't spend time in our daily devotions praying and outside, listen, the, the daily devotions can also become a hindrance. Well, you say, what? Anything taken to an extreme, anything taken to an extreme can be a hindrance because so many people think, I've read my three chapters today, I've prayed for 10 minutes, I sat quietly for five minutes, I've done my time with God. Well, that's just legalistic, isn't it? God got my 30 minutes. That's all he needs today. I'm good to go. But just like this morning when I was in worship, man, the Lord spoke to me in a moment about what we're talking about next week. I've had several prophetic words shared with me, and they've, they've been spot on for where we're, what we're talking about, what we're doing. But they don't always happen at convenient times, do they? God doesn't always have that convenient moment with you at 6.30 in the morning or 10 o'clock at night, whenever you've scheduled your time. And we can get so locked into, this is the only time I give to God that we're not listening the rest of the time. But in order for us to get to that place where Jesus says, I don't do anything my Lord doesn't tell me to do, my Father doesn't do, we have to be always listening because the Holy Spirit is not just with us during our devotions. The Holy Spirit is with us at every moment of every step of every day. And we need to learn to listen with spiritual ears. I had, I had a friend, he, he preached a message named Sean Smith, talked about having your spiritual antennas up. Now, anybody remember uh, that old show, My Favorite Martian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like old TV. Uh, it's safer to watch. Um, but the, the, the My Favorite Martian, the guy always had the antennas up, right? Right? We need to have spiritual ears on all the time because God is always talking to us. Ananias heard the call, and then he answered. Yes, Lord. He answered. Wow. Heard the call and answered. And then God explained to him what I want you to do. And Ananias said, whoa, God. This is not a good guy. Now think about it. This is before the Internet. This is before TV. This is before, and Ananias has heard of Paul. And it's like you guys hearing of something going on in South Jersey just by word of mouth. How big does that have to be for you to hear of something happening 50, 60, 70 miles away by word of mouth? To hear about it on the news or Facebook or Twitter or, you know, somebody give you a phone call, that's one thing. But when was the last time you heard a, a big event happening 50 or 60 miles away from you just by word of mouth? That's, that's rare, isn't it? But Ananias knew who Paul was, and he was afraid. He was afraid. 
We have to hear the call. And we have to answer. But the next thing that we have to do is we have to overcome our fear. We have to overcome our doubt. You know, if you look in Matthew, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walking on the water, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Here's what Jesus says. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Our fear and our doubt can prevent us from answering the call. We may hear it. We may understand God has called you to something big. God, many of us will sit here with an amazing vision for what God wants us to do. And what holds us back is fear of failure. Or doubt. We don't truly believe that God will take care of us. But if God's called you to something, won't he sustain you? If God's called you to something, won't he provide for you? If God has called you to something, won't he take care of you? We have to learn to trust the Lord for our provisions. We have to learn to trust the Lord that he will take care of us. Peter got out of the boat. And then he started looking all around him. And he said, whoa. This is not where I want to be. What did he do? He started to sink. Ananias had to overcome fear and doubt and trust that the Lord would take care of him when he went to this man who was known for persecuting Christians. Man, what kind of faith does that take? Here's some dude I know doesn't like me. Man, some of us have a hard time responding just to share Jesus with our next door neighbor who has never tried to persecute us at all and let us borrow his lawnmower. We, we're friends with them, and we have a hard time sharing Jesus with them. But here was somebody that was called by God to go to somebody that was known for persecuting them. I think of modern-day missionaries. Now, we lo I love missions, but think of those people that go to uh, closed countries where they know that they could be thrown in jail or worse. Think of those missionaries that we, we know are serving in the Middle East. We know they're in a dangerous place. We know that they have the potential of being killed, sharing about Jesus. Imagine if they never went. Who's going to tell those people about Jesus? Maybe Jesus has called you to that. But maybe Jesus has just called you to share with your next door neighbor. See, two weeks ago we talked about we need workers for the harvest. Here am I, Lord, send me. Last week, we talked to 
but God has, he wants your attention. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a call. And this fear, we have to overcome fear and doubt and trust the Lord to provide for us. And here's why. Here's why. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your obedience can release someone else's blessing. Your obedience can release someone else's blessing. There is someone waiting on you to respond to the call. There is someone waiting on you to find the purpose that God has given to you so that you can share with them the gospel. Paul, was he met Jesus on the road, but he was waiting for Ananias to respond to the call. People are waiting on you for their blessing. What an awesome privilege we have to be the one that shares Jesus with them. To be the one that prays for them and the scales fall off their eyes and they see their Savior for the first time because you responded to the call. You are the answer that people are waiting for. Your obedience can release someone else's blessing. Yesterday at the uh, the service for my uh, my friend Craig Bryant, it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, celebration of life. He was a he was a Carolina fan, and so we're we're praying for them to win uh, the whole March Madness for him. There were there were over five hundred people there, easy. They'd set up 350 chairs. Um, there were people lining the walls. The, the room that was held in could, could hold 500 people, but it was, uh, it was packed. People lining the walls, just standing up. People up in the, the balcony, people, they had to set up extra chairs in the balcony. There were easily 500 people there. And uh, Craig was a good friend. Uh, Craig was, um, he was huge, six foot five. Bennett loved to ride on his shoulders. Loved his pokey hair because he was bald except for around here, so he'd shave it. And Bennett loved his pokey hair. But what was the most touching thing yesterday? They had 15 or 20 people that were just going to share a two to three minute um, memory of Craig. I don't know um, how many of you have ever experienced watching someone's co worker. They didn't have deep relationship with them. They were their coworkers. You know, you, you have coworkers, don't you? People that you see every day, you work with every day. These these people were weeping at the loss of Craig. Craig was a good boss. He was a fair boss, but they didn't talk about that. They all talked about how much he would listen to them. How much they knew he. Cared about them. One of the, the, the ladies that shared, she, she said, I, don't, I know this isn't very professional, but I love you. Talking about Craig. 
Craig was a smart man. He was a tall man. But more than anything, he was somebody that loved people. He shared his faith. He was willing to talk and listen to anyone. If you needed him, he would be there. He served on our youth ministry for several years. He served on the deacon's board. He served uh, in the, uh, he was on a count team. He worked at the altars. He would help wherever. He loved people's kids. He was over, well, you, I mean, maybe some of you work at Ferguson. Uh, he, was, he was at the headquarters of Ferguson and Newport News. They have a branch up here in Lakewood. He was over their e-commerce sites. Their website, if you've ever gone there, that was his division. He had plenty of things going on outside of church. But you talked, his next-door neighbor shared about how much Craig would listen and talk. They'd talk about life. They'd share their faith. You hear co-workers. Co-workers, these are, these are computer programmers. And it's not that computer programmers don't have emotions, but they're not renowned for it. Weeping at the loss of Craig. Craig was a blessing. And the reason he was such a blessing is because he responded to people's needs. He heard people's needs. Ananias was obedient. To answer the call, he overcame fear and doubt, and he trusted that the Lord would take care of him. And he was obedient. And Paul was blessed because of Ananias' obedience. Imagine if Ananias said, no, we're not going to do that. How do you bless somebody like that? Well, it's pretty simple. You pray for them. You serve the needs. You listen to them. You love them. Be present in their life. Sometimes that's all people need. They just need somebody to say, I'm here for you. I don't have any great answers. I don't have any great wisdom. But, if you need somebody to be with you, I'll be with you. That's a good life. So my question for you, who is waiting on you to respond?